This is James Walker, and welcome to Real Talk, Real People. This is the podcast that turns the mic over to everyday people to hear what they have to say about the issues and problems we face as a society. Hello, folks. Thank you very much for joining us again this week. My guest is Brock Baycoat. He is a New Haven resident who has just been released from prison. Um, when we had this conversation, he had just been out three days. So I guess if you're tuning in on Monday, it's been about 10 days ago uh, that this conversation took place. I didn't bring him in to talk about his crimes or what led to them. If you're interested in that type of conversation, you should listen to our November 4th podcast with Seymour resident Jimmy Cave. And that conversation was on the benefits of a revamped justice system and how this young man turned his life around and how that benefited him. But I wanted to uh, talk to Brock to get an idea of what it is like being locked up and in close quarters with other inmates after learning about the COVID-19 virus. So I started our conversation asking him what that was like. There's a lot of lockdown procedures in place, not as much movement within outside of facilities. Inmates only get to see what's on TV or the stories the staff members tell. So they be they, frantic, nervous, think like it's an apocalypse or something. So did anyone in the prison um, advise you um, guys as to what was going on with this COVID-19? The warden will probably walk through every few days or so, and he'll give a little announcement. But I feel like he was definitely late with that because all the information that he gave us, we already had through, you know, public television. So I, for people who don't know, can you kind of explain it to us? I know you guys are in individual cells or cells... Which, explain explain the living conditions to us so that we understand. You're talking about the facility that was last released from? Yes, I'm talking about the facility that you were released from and uh, because it, it, it was in this facility that you became aware of COVID-19, correct? Yes, correct. Right. All right. So I want to hear how the conditions are in that prison where you were you were locked up. It's basically one big room that consists of 19 cubes, and each cube is six men. It's almost like a dormitory situation. You have, like, say, one big gym, and then that gym is broken down into different comp- open uh, different open compartments that six men sleep in? Exactly. Okay. And in this um, in this big room, is there... Are there TVs? Are there radios? Or what's there for you? What's there for you guys? You got tables, so I mean you can sit and maybe play a little chess or a card game, read a book, right? There's one TV that's controlled by staff, and they flip through the channels from Spanish to English to accommodate you know, non-English speakers. So, in other words, there. Do you guys pick the shows that you watch, or do they pick the shows that you watch? 
So they, they picked the shows. And you're telling me that some shows are in English and some shows are in Spanish for Hispanic speak for Spanish speaking people. Yes. Okay. Now, when did you first learn about um, the coronavirus and that it was um, spread through the air? I was saying my my girlfriend told me about it. Okay. And uh, when your girlfriend told you about it, um, the other guys in um, the prison with you. Were, did everyone become aware of this at the same time? Roughly all within a day or two. And what was the reaction of the guys in prison? Now, what I'm trying to find out is, okay, you're behind bars. You've just found out that you need to social distance in order for to keep this uh, coronavirus at bay. You guys are not able to do that. So what was the general reaction of the guys who were behind bars? They, they, they started feeling like, you know, if, if it's this serious to the point where on a, a global level that these policies are being put in place and that they're incarcerated and they can't and they're, you know, actually in the, uh, in the custody of someone or an agency other than themselves, they felt like they should be let go. Okay, now when you say they felt like they should be let go, are you talking about guys who? Uh, what do you mean when you when you say they feel they should be let go? Because the truth of the matter is, you're in prison for a particular reason. So why should the public say, "Okay, we now have this disease, we should let these guys out"? Why should they do that? I feel because there's everybody in there. First of all, is not guilty, and. Another reason is everybody that might be guilty of whatever crime they committed doesn't mean that it even warranted jail time. You know, there's a lot of people that's in there with no victims, with nonviolent crimes, first timers, you know, on and on. People with, you know, that already have underlying health conditions. And, you know, like me, for instance, I agreed to take a plea deal of 18 months, a year and a half sentence. You know, I didn't sign a death sentence. I didn't plead out to that. So for, for, for you to tell me that there's a deadly, contagious disease that there's no cure for going around the world at such an alarming rate, that's a realistic thought that you can have that you might die here. You're listening to Real Talk, Real People. The podcast that turns the mic over to everyday people. We're talking with Brock Bacon. He is a New Haven resident who has just recently been released from prison. He said being behind bars with a virus like COVID-19 really struck home and really brought home the power of the meaning of loss of freedom. So I asked him the next logical question. Did he intend to go back? I'm not. I'm going to try to do everything within my power to, to, to never end up on, on the inside of a, any correctional institution again. Now, Barbara Fair and along with a lot of other people have really been uh, working hard to help guys who are behind bars, particularly in solitary confinement. Have you ever been in solitary confinement? I have. And what is that like? Because I, I, for me personally, you know, when I hear about that, I, I kind of, I find it really, really, very barbaric. Uh, can you 
describe what that is like being in isolation? Oh, man. Um, I, I would say, you know, borderline torture. And why is that like that? Um, I mean, you're, you're thrown into a, I'm going to say give or take a little bit, uh, eight by 10. So, you know, concrete wall, ceiling, floor, um, you got a metal bunk to sleep on. Um, you're not in control of your light, meaning, you know, whether it's light or dark in the cell and whether it's coincides with the time of day. Um, there's usually no, no human contact. You know, every once in a while, depending on uh, capacity, you might get a celly, you know, being near with somebody else, or it might be someone a couple cells down. But, I mean, you're throwing in there usually at the minimum of seven to eight days, and you don't come out of that, shell, that uh, cell unless it's to take a cold shower. And that's every other day. Um, you know, the mills, if you're there, you're probably there for creating somewhat of a disruption or being caused of, you know, breaking some rules. So staff isn't, you know, very fond of you. So, you know, when you get fed, you might be getting fed what everyone else is getting fed, but a very small portion. Or you might be getting fed with everybody else is getting fed, but your meal is a little dismantled because it got shook a little more on the way down and it got dropped on purpose. You know, it just, I don't know. It's like they just throw you on the island. Yeah, what you're, what you're describing is pretty, pretty horrific there. That is, uh, that is pretty horrific. And I, for one, am totally against um, solitary confinement. I just find that it's, like I said, it's it's barbaric, and there must be a, another way to go about uh, doing things. Like many inmates uh, who have been released, the state or the Department of Corrections really doesn't give them much to get going. Um, Brock says other than a temporary ID that was issued to him, to ensure that if police stopped him, um, that he, it shows that he has been officially released. I guess the computer systems are so antiquated or so backed up, it could take a while for the information to come up that he is actually a free man. It, you know, it's just, um, just strikes me funny because according to the governor and the Department of Corrections, they closed many prisons to save money. And that money was supposed to go to help prisoners, or I should say help recently released inmates and provide them with the tools needed to get them back into mainstream society. So, I mean, if all they're issuing is a temporary ID, you know, that's really not providing much help at all. And um, it just leads to another question. Where's all that money going? Because it really is that lack of money that potentially, I shouldn't say potentially, it does put an obstacle in the path of uh, men like Brock trying to 
get back on their feet and put uh, their past, past behind them. But then again, it can also be argued that those are challenges that everybody faces and you just have to find a way legally to get around them. Okay. Brock, is there anything that you would like to add to this conversation? Well, people to know that, you know, just because someone was convicted of a crime doesn't make them a bad person, doesn't mean they'll offend again. I think it should really should really be looked at, at how many people are incarcerated, what they're incarcerated for, if they were actually really guilty or not. I guess you know, I just want to bring some type of awareness that can create change to some of the living conditions that you know I've been subject to and I don't feel like I deserved it. And there's a lot of other people just like me who have been dealing with it before me and I've dealt with it after me and it's just not fair. You've been listening to Real Talk, Real People. If you would like to be on the show, have a comment about the show, or perhaps you have an idea that the show should explore, give us a call at 203-605-1859 or email us at realtalkrealpeoplect at gmail.com. And remember, start your Sundays with my column in Hearst, Connecticut newspaper statewide and start your Mondays right here at Real Talk, Real People. Have a good week, folks. We'll talk again next week.